You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma podcast. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode. Excited to share this episode with you today. But before we do, I've got to thank our sponsors. First of all, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. They've been a huge part of this podcast for the last few years. So the Oklahoma Hall of Fame have been sharing Oklahoma's story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com. And for daily updates, go to oklahomahof on Instagram and give them a follow. Our other sponsor today is the Chickasaw Nation. Now, the Chickasaw Nation have sponsored pretty much everything in Oklahoma. They're a huge supporter of Oklahoma. And it's an honor to have their name and their brand supporting this podcast. So a huge shout out to Governor Anna Toby for supporting this podcast. It really means a lot. And finally, our third sponsor is 988. The Oklahoma 988 Mental Health Lifeline, 988 is a direct three-digit lifeline that connects you with trained behavioral health professionals that can get all Oklahomans the help that they need. Learn more by visiting 988oklahoma.com. That's 988oklahoma.com. And now, let's get into today's episode. Please welcome to the podcast my guest today, Maya Stark. Maya, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. So for people who don't know about Maya, um, I've got a few stats. Obviously, you're kind of in your rookie season, but you played at Oklahoma State. Um, You've won. I mean, you got the scoring record or had the scoring record. I think it might still stand. I'm not too sure. I haven't checked that out. But Big 12 Conference Player of the Year. Um, You had a great run at Nationals. You've played some pretty epic golf, I guess, your rookie year. I'm sure you're super proud of that. I'm sure mom and dad are thrilled. The family's thrilled to have you dominating i would say the ladies european tour and it seems like a bit of a swedish domination on on the ladies european tour as well which is great for you and i think you know you got some teammates up there at the top of the leaderboard but let's go all the way back let's go to you know where does golf start for you golf starts uh on the little kids course uh at my home course uh with my dad and my grandpa and my brother uh when i was Six. So, yeah, very convenient. Are you kind of the youngest? Are you in the middle? Do you see dad and, and older brother playing? Is it just family occasion? Uh, I'm the youngest in my family. Uh, I have quite a lot of cousins, but I'm one of the youngest of them, too. Um, but, yeah, now, I mean, I play with my dad sometimes, but sometimes he doesn't know when to Shut up. <laughs> Try to kind of stay away from that sometimes uh, to not get annoyed. But uh, yeah, both my uh, dad and my brother, they work at golf courses. So it's a big golf family. Yeah, no doubt. That's uh, that's really cool. So obviously you kind of fall into golf, you find a passion for it, you start getting better at it, you're playing amateur golf. And one thing I know kind of through my European golf stuff is that mm-hmm. the Swedish national kind of Federation has a very good system of getting players through. Uh, so, my I'm interested in when did you kind of first get into that sweet, you know, the national federation team, and then did they start, you know, they start developing you as a player? So, when was the earliest time you made the team for Sweden? Uh, well, they have like a future national team uh, where I went first when I was maybe 15, and then you get to go to a few camps a year. Um, Sometimes the coach comes out to tournaments and uh, we have a little camp at tournaments too. And uh, we all 
go together in like a little group and do the package runs and stuff. But uh, for the real national team, I wasn't officially a part until 2017. Uh, so when I was 18. And then, yeah, so 2017 to 2021. Yeah, and it seems like you had a pretty successful time playing for the national team, traveling around European ladies' team championships and had a blast doing that. Yeah, it's, it was a lot of fun. Just I learned so much during those times and uh, the coach that we had kind of followed us, uh, followed with us up through junior golf and then to the ladies' um, team and then he's trying to go up to the pros now so it's very nice to have this constant leadership uh, and he's a great coach so it's just very nice to have him stay with us yeah so when you when you start playing for the national team then you know when you're about 18 and, and 2017 that kind of time is that when you're kind of on the radar for i think i want to go to the states i think that's when i want to my next step is to instead of going to college in sweden my next step is to go to college in in america yeah i think it was very natural because a lot of the older streets were already at college um, and everyone around me was going to college, both in my high school and um, in, in just, the nas- I mean, just the national team. We were all going to college in the U.S. We don't have really the same culture uh, around it back at home. Uh, so we have one golf college, but it's not like you compete against other schools and stuff. Um, so yeah, it's a bit different, and just it was just nice to have that um, sort of competitive nature that you have in the U.S. instead of staying at home and travel by yourself to tournaments. Um, yeah, traveling in a team environment is so much fun. You know, it's, I don't know, it just, it, you just grow, like I said, you grow as a person, you grow just as a team together, you build fantastic friendships that you'll have for a lifetime. Uh, and the good thing about college is you're pretty much doing it, you know, week in, week out. And, it, you know, you just, isn't it, it doesn't matter where you go, you're still having a great time. Um, what for, so when did, I guess, when did you get the call, I guess, to go to OSU? Was there many others that you were interested in or interested in you? And why did you choose Oklahoma State? Yeah, there were a couple of others. So we visited University of Alabama, uh, Louisiana State, Oklahoma State, and Arizona State. And um, I just like those two because, well, I got the coaches that I committed to left right before I got there. Uh, but I really liked the coaches that were there before. One of them was Swedish. He had played on the team. Uh, and the head coach was just a really nice person. Um, so... I figured that that would be a good match. I didn't really feel like I needed coaches. I mostly just needed friends. And then, um, yeah, to get the competitiveness of the American golf instead of the European. And, um, yeah, I just thought that it felt great. Um, the practice facilities were, well, I, Carson are absolutely amazing. They've always had pretty good teams. So I just felt like it was a perfect fit. Yeah, and that Swedish guy who was on the it, that was Par, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. some fun, small world, funny story. But the university that I played at was a small Division Two one in Oklahoma City, and before I came up, Par was the assistant coach. Oh, 
no way. So yeah, so he came from my university, small Southern Nazarene University, small you know Division Two. Or it was I think it was NAIA at the time when he was there uh, as an assistant, and then he obviously came up to you to Oklahoma State. So um, small world. Oh. Uh, yeah. So that's uh, yeah, kind of, and and a couple of guys on my team were Swedish, and they knew him as well through. That's kind of how they ended up there. Um, and that was Johan Anderson and Andreas Anderson. Um, who are now back, I think, in Sweden. But small little, small world, and that's hilarious that, that, you know, you obviously know who Par is. And really, I mean, I think Par told everyone on our team before I got there to hit stingers because no one knew how to do that properly, which... Oh, uh, yeah. I love that he just loved playing with the team and challenging them and say, hey, can you hit this shot for me, please? And then they just had to do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I really awesome. like that about him. Yeah, that's so, so cool to have that because I think a lot of a lot of coaches out here and people who don't really know the golf world, a lot of the coaches don't play. They're calling kind of more team management, right? Whereas the assistants mm-hmm. may, they might have still played or they're still trying to play and they they still want to get out there and be competitive. Um, so you commit to Oklahoma State, you fly out to Stillwater. I mean, what was, did you come on a visit before you came out? How was that yeah, visit? Uh, yeah, first I went on the visit uh, just with the, an unofficial visit, and I had my mom with me. We went, we traveled with another player. Well, we traveled with uh, Lynn Grant and her dad uh, because we were all interested uh, in the same school. Um, so, but we didn't get to see much then, uh, really. And then I went on my official visit, and yeah, just. It just felt nice. Everyone's super nice. And uh, we get to go to a football game um, to see what that was like. And, yeah, I mean, it felt like, I mean, I guess you would get that feeling from a lot of places before you go there. You don't really know how it works. It's just nice nice and exciting to see a new place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the the visit thing, you're right. It's kind of a strange thing, right? Because you're kind of on vacation, but you're also like trying to figure out where you're going to spend the next four years of your life. And everyone is trying to sell you, right? Everyone's trying to convince you to come here. So everyone's being so nice to you as well. Exactly. Yeah. That, uh, but it's that, very nice. It's yeah. Very, like, yeah. curious. That's kind of the one thing, like Oklahomans are just great. And that's one of the reasons why I stayed here. Like everyone's just super mm-hmm. nice, uh, just generally as well. Like they actually, you know, really care about it. Um, but obviously, you know, you, you come here and uh, what was, I guess the first, had you kind of ever experienced heat like it being here before? Well, I came in the, in January. Okay. Um, yeah. So I came six months later than I should have. Uh, and then, it was pretty funny. It was fine. The first day I was wearing shorts and a t-shirt and then the next day was a snowstorm. Uh, so that was kind of a, a shock uh, that it could just switch like that. And I mean, Oklahoma just keeps switching the weather like an on and off switch. Um, so uh, I don't really think I, I've never been there in August. Uh, not really in September because I, so then COVID uh, right when I started, COVID hit, and then I was home for six months, and then I came back middle of August, but I had to be in quarantine for two weeks, so I didn't really get out until uh, October. Um, so I've always missed the uh, warm months. Yeah. So so then you, I mean, what leads to you, I guess, you weren't really in school for that long then, sounds like. Not really. Uh, just one and a half years. Uh, but physically in school, I... I only had in-person classes, I think, 
my first semester and that was just two months yeah so Oh, I yeah it does because like i mean you're doing great obviously like things worked out the way that you wanted them because you're on tour and you've won and like you know you're doing the right thing you made the right decision but like obviously looking back you're like oh, i wish i could have had you know three four years or like a full college experience of you know going to tailgates all the time and like just having a full semester of it just being like yeah this is normal to me right or a full couple of years um but yeah so so then so you do play you did play nationals you played obviously you know a, a, a full year or year and a half schedule and you played nationals in arizona and almost won right you guys came super close yeah uh, it was we really played super well in the semifinals against Duke and then I really think I underperformed in the final uh, I was really disappointed in myself and I think I think the whole team uh, were really uh, disappointed by the results but I mean proud of ourselves and mm-hmm. um, but yeah it was still such a fun experience and I, I mean I always think it's somewhat nice to see when people just show how much they cared about it because everyone was crying and there was just so much love there and support, even though we have still lost the biggest matches of our lives. Yeah, like as a school and kind of, you know, for for the school, right? Like it, it was kind of like, I mean, even the, I mean, last year, uh, you know, it was kind of like putting cowgirl golf on the map. It's like, oh, we're back, you know, because when you think of Oklahoma State, yeah. people always think of the guys team, right? They always think of Ricky and Victor and all of the, you know, and all the players and Uline and whoever. Um, but it was really cool last year, you know, when that happened for you guys to be like, no, 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 like the girls program is also equally as good. And we almost won nationals. We should have won nationals. And, you know, we're, we're, we're producing great players. And, and you guys had a stacked team that year. I know it's a little different now. Some people left. But, I mean, that year you really had a really great team. Yeah, it, it was super fun to play there. And then, I mean, Coach Holder came out to watch the final. And, you know, he's known for being a tough really tough guy and like not being happy when he loses but he said that we should all be proud of ourselves and that we gave it our best and he had never said that before pretty much he he will give you a fist bump if you won a competition but that was it and then when he said that when we lost uh i think yeah it just really felt like even though we lost they still really cared uh, about us yeah. At that point, had you made your mind up that you were going to turn pro? No, I hadn't. Uh, so um, the, in June, right when I came home, uh, the coach, uh, Coach um, Robertson, he called me up and said, hey, uh, I know you're qualifying this year. Like, I was going to go to Q school in the fall. Um, so do you want to turn pro now? so we can get someone in on your scholarship who can play the full year. And then I just kind of thought, yeah, why not? I mean, I felt like I was good enough. Uh, it was obviously a big decision, and I was really planning on staying in Oklahoma, and I had all my left all my stuff there. I was ready to move into a new place, uh, but then I didn't really mind the, the switch. Yeah, because, I mean, for you, I mean, obviously it's a big deal, right? Like, but like you said, I mean, I think at the time you got to, I think it was six in the world rankings as an amateur. I mean, 
generally if you're in the top 50 you know most people are like you should turn pro i think you know the and also i think with women's golf is kind of in a in a really interesting period at the moment with people like yourself and others that are coming on tour people like lynn you um you know the the, the kind of new new breed a new you know the new i guess generation of golfers it's kind of like a switch because now you're all i think you've all got a lot more speed right you're all like kind of quote bombing it you know it's not like lexi is the only one anymore right you're all kind of up there you're all sending it but you're also all still i mean you're still like most women golfers like you can chip and putt like nobody else right so it's really interesting and now it's obviously you made the right decision because you won but it's really cool to to look back and see you know you're like I had the confidence in myself and I went and did it. Yeah, for sure. Um, it, I really doubted. And I mean, I always have the nightmare scenario in my head when I make those kind of big, big decisions, but my coach in Sweden, he always says, um, don't expect anything, but be prepared for everything. So I was prepared that it could go really well. And also that it could just go super poorly. I would have to, you know, uh, borrow money from somewhere uh, that I, so I had the plan A, but I also had plan P. Like I had every, every single plan for every scenario. Uh, But then, yeah, I think that just made me a bit more relaxed when I knew that um, whatever happens is going to, it's going to work itself out. Um, If I run out of money, that's fine. Like I'll just start over. That's where I started from scratch. So, I mean, I could do it again. Um, so, yeah, it, I think it was it was the right decision because I really felt done with college and school and college golf. Uh, I obviously, the nicest part about Oklahoma was just to hang out with your friends 24-7 um, and travel with the team. It was always so much fun. Um, so, yeah, I do miss that about it yeah and and i think we, you know with reaching nationals and and doing so well and also you played the augusta women's jam as well right so you got to play augusta which i'm sure was incredible um you know so you like i said you kind of ticked a lot of the boxes in the amateur world even though like you might not have won what you wanted to win you experienced a lot of the stuff as well and then obviously you turned pro and kind of seemed to go out and storm the first three events right you went do you went two out of your first three on on, on the ladies european tour that's what the stat says on Wikipedia yeah. anyway. Yeah. yeah, actually, yeah. Yeah. So you kind of knew early uh, on. Yeah, but, I mean, if it didn't turn out that way, I think I would have been pissed that I actually turned pro and didn't just stay and mature more. But I'm happy it worked out. Yeah, I think I'm sure a lot of people are. I mean, I had uh, Jay Moore on the podcast, uh, no, about six months ago. And, you know, we were talking about golf in general. And, you know, it isn't, I think he said something like, you know, it, it, it obviously brings him great pleasure and, 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 you know, makes him super happy when he sees people turning pro and winning. Like he's clearly, you know, he had a part in that and, you know, he's doing great things up there with, you know, both programs. But it was interesting to hear his story. And, and I mean, obviously a hell of a golfer in his own right doing, you know, telling telling his story and you know basically winning the walker cup or had the winning point in the walker cup the one year but um tell me about kind of you know this this year then this this rookie season you've had um you know winning i think what is it five times and then one of them was a co-sanctioned event right or is that six total so you have your lpj tour card i think is what it says yeah yeah uh i think i think it's 
five on the European tour and well, one of those five were uh-huh. the LPGA. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I, I didn't expect it, but it's very nice that it happened. Mm-hmm. And, um, I don't know. It's just, when I got to play the U S open a couple of times as an amateur and I was like top 20, I really felt like I, I belong out here. I could win stuff. And then I went out and I proved to myself that I could win stuff. And then it was just like, well, let's win more. Let's see how good we can get. And then obviously I got this opportunity, uh, thanks to the co-sanctioned win. And now I just want to be out here and prove that I can win on the highest, highest level. Yeah, I get when you get that first win, you know, it's kind of like unlocking the door, right? It's like, oh, I'm good enough now. I can do this. I should win. I can win every week, right? That realization of, yeah, I can, I can win here. I can do this. And then, you know, you start, it seems like your playing style is pretty aggressive as well. So I think that probably suits you. Yeah. And it's so nice to, like, when you get the winner's category, you get your card for this season and the next. So you don't even have to think about, like, oh, how many points do I have? Blah, 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 because I think that would just make me tense. Uh, but now I don't even have to worry about that. And I think that just allows me to play more aggressively and have that aggressive mindset like, oh, it doesn't matter if I don't make the cut this week because I've probably learned something from it. And uh, I mean, it doesn't affect me at all in where I can play. Um, it's a very nice situation to be in. Yeah, that makes a huge difference, especially when you know you got six holes to go, and you're like, "Hey, I'm right now. I'm in kind of t15, but if I make a huge run and birdie the last six, I'm going to have a chance finishing top five. But if I triple and double and I'm a over for the last six, it doesn't matter. Like that's a really nice position to be in. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And yeah, not going into the week, see, they're thinking, "Oh, if I don't do well this week, I have to play like." Some people out here, they say, oh, if I do well this week and next, I don't think I have to play these 10 weeks in a row. And uh, that's, that would be nice for me. And I'm like, 10 weeks in a row? That I would, I've tried five once, and I was so sore. Like, everything hurt. I, my mental, like, my mentality, I couldn't think. Mm-hmm. I just had, like, brain farts all the time. I couldn't focus. Uh, really um, but yeah so it's a really tough um, situation that they that they're in and I really like applaud them for making it through it and actually like doing the 10 weeks if they when they feel like they have to yeah that's you're kind of like I mean you're locked in right you're kind of forced to play those to make money to, to keep your card and then thankfully that's a position that you don't ever have to worry about for like at least the next two years and I doubt ever but tell me about um the so so you're playing in the states at the moment is your plan to live out here and stay out here and play on LPJ tour I don't plan on living here but I play on plan on staying here and playing I don't know 10 years um so yeah for now the plan is to stay on the on the best tour and try to see uh how how much I can win here yeah it's uh that's um that's, I mean, it's great, great opportunity. You obviously have the beauty of picking either tours and, like I said, coming over here for a three or four week stretch and, and then going home and enjoying it and some time off. And it seems like the ideal way to do it. Uh, tell me about the other thing I want to talk to you about as well is uh, Solheim Cup. 
like that looking up must be for you growing up. I know it was in Sweden a few years ago um, at Halmstad, I believe. I actually played that golf course once. Uh, well, I say once. We played it for a weekend European team championships. I was terrible. Uh, but I do remember, though, it was the middle of summer and I was walking to the tee because you walked from the hotel because we stayed right there. I was yeah. walking to the tee box at like 7 a.m. on a Tuesday morning and there was people pouring out of the nightclub in the hotel. And I'm just like carrying my clothes. I'm thinking... I'd rather be with them. I'd rather be them right now because I'm hitting it sideways. Uh, yeah. I'd rather be them calling up a nightclub at 7 a.m. with a hangover than actually going to play, which was <laughs> the state of my golf game at the time. But obviously, it's held a Solheim Cup. It's a great golf course. Um, obviously, you know, Swedish golf is in, in the women's world and the men's world. But obviously, for you, in this, you know, women's world, Swedish golf, you've got some absolute stars you know some standouts uh, that you've looked up to so what you know and and with the european golf last year you know was it last year or two yeah last year maybe they played right and they played great out in states mm-hmm. it's two years ago whatever um so yeah what what kind of is your i mean no doubt it's a goal but have you ever been to one before what's your experience with you know people like that and and tournaments you know like the the Solheim cup yeah i grew up with um playing team sports well I played soccer for many years um, because my dad used to be a soccer coach and I just loved the team sports and the camaraderie that comes with that and then you know I started to golf and you don't really you don't really get the same thing uh, I mean obviously a lot of people feel good for you but they always want to beat you whereas um, I feel like with, the, with team sports it's just one person's win is everyone's win. That's how we try doing golf. But you, like, you always have someone trying to beat you. Um, and yeah, I was looking at the at a documentary that we had back in Sweden that was about the 2013 Solheim Cup when they played in Denver, and they won for the first time on uh, Europe won for the first time on American soil, and. It was a lot about, you know, Lothar Neumann and Caroline Hedwall, uh, because Caroline, she was a rookie, I think, and Lothar was the captain, and that just made me really want to play the Solheim Cup. Like, I didn't care about anything else in golf, uh, really. I just wanted to be so good that I could play in the Solheim Cup one day. And, uh, yeah, looking pretty good, I think, right now. And... I went to the, well, I was on the team, Team Europe, Europe uh, at the 2017 Junior Salon Cup. Uh, and then we obviously got to stay and watch the whole week. And that was also so much fun to actually, and I think it helps to see that the players, they don't hit all perfect shots, but they make it work. And that's when I really felt like, oh, well, maybe I'm not as far away from turning pro as, as I thought I was. Um, because I'd never been to a women's competition before. So that really helped me mm-hmm. uh, with confidence. Yeah, and, and probably, I mean, winning, you obviously won, you know, a bunch of times now and winning you probably had a huge realization as well when you won and you didn't hit a perfect shot every single time, right? Like you can win and you don't have to be at your best. Yes, for sure. I mean, I felt like I didn't win last week, but I shot minus 16 and it felt absolutely awful at times. Like I had no idea what I was doing. Shots were going just so wide. And I, I I don't think I've hit it that wide in 
I don't know, a couple of years, but still be able to shoot minus 16 in four rounds. I, I'm very happy with that. And that's when I feel like my game has really reached a new level because it doesn't need to be perfect because something else will still work. Like my like half-long putting, like yeah, 15 to 20 foot, uh, was really good last week. So I made a lot of birdies and that just weighs up for, you know, all the bad shots I had. I uh, managed to save a bunch of pars and, that's just a confidence builder because then you know that, oh, I can miss it, but I can still like try to get to this, become the new trash queen instead of Chrissy Kerr. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think I looked at your scorecard the last round and you'd had like five or six birdies in a row. And I was just like, you know, and after what you just said, of like I hit it everywhere, but the putter was hot. Uh, you know, it's just like, yeah, you still have it, right? You still have moments of brilliance. And like I said, to, to have an off week, you know, to your standards and still shoot 16 under. And I think there was a lot of people tied, right? At like T3 last, last week. So your finish oh, yeah. looked a lot worse on paper than it actually was uh, because there yeah. was like 8 million people at T3. But yep. the one thing I, I'm kind of interested in, and, and this is just for the golf nerd in, in me, are you a tinkerer? Are you kind of to the numbers? Are you like, I mean, what do you like as a golfer? Or do you just say, give me the track, you know, are you a track man person or is it more feel? It's more feel. Mm -hmm. I've started to notice that when I use TrackMan and everything like that, I uh, I just get so stuck in like the technique stuff. And I'm like, well, it looks great, but the shots are going everywhere. So what do I do? I have no idea because it looks exactly how I want to, but I'm spinning every single shot. Um, and obviously, no string can be perfect. Uh, some people are close to having it, but it takes a lot of work, and I, I just don't have it. I don't think my string can ever look perfect. I'll just deal with what I can with what I have because I know that I've I've hit like perfect golf shots without my swing looking perfect. So I, I'm trying to take the perfectionist part away. But no, I don't have a track man right now. I think I'm gonna get one for the winter, uh, just because it's. It's nice to have when you're doing technique stuff and you are hitting into a net and you can't see the ball where it's flying. Yeah, but and the games the, the, though, the, yeah. the games that you have on, on the track man are great, right? It spits out random numbers. That's probably the best thing that I, I use it for um, or have used one for in the past. Are you? Um, tell me about like your pre-shot routine. Is there, do you do anything special or do you, do you have it nailed or does it change every time? I think I have it nailed pretty much. Um, it's a little bit easier now that I have my caddy hat uh, because then I I don't have to spend as much energy with thinking about the numbers to the front of the green, to the pin, to carry over a bunker. <clears throat> so I always look in my yardage book, see, like, put out the dot in the yardage book, where's the pin, and then I see, okay, is it close to, uh, can I easily get short-sided here or whatever, and then... I make the decision. I say, okay, let's hit it this number. Um, and, uh, yeah. And then I just go for it. And I, I mean, sometimes I don't do it correctly because you say, okay, don't aim at the pin, aim at the tree there, just focus on the tree. And sometimes I'm like, well, I just like, right before I hit the ball, I'm like, I just look at the pin a little bit more. And then I, it usually ends up going straight towards the pin instead of the tree that I was aiming at. Um, so it's, uh, it's not perfect, but it, 
pretty much always works out. It's not because of the pre-shot routine that I mess up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the that's the internal battle with golf, right? Is you're standing over like a, I don't know, 140-yard shot and you're like, it's not really a perfect number, but I fancy hitting like a half shot and cutting one in there. I shouldn't really go at this flag, but ah, why not, right? Like yes, you pull it off exactly. great. If you don't, you could be making bogey or double. But oh, that's yeah, uh, that, sure. that's really interesting that, you know, I think we all do that, right? I think everyone listening that's played golf, doesn't matter what level you are, York is kind of, you know, you, you have that internal battle. Um mm-hmm. What about, do you have any superstitions? Do you mark your ball in a certain way? Is there anything else that you do that's like kind of funky? Uh, well, I mean, I don't know any, well, I think I know one golfer who doesn't mark the ball in the same way every time, but I've always marked the ball in the same way. Uh, so I always have two little dots above the logo. Uh, but I never touched a trophy before I win it because I don't know. I don't know who I heard it from, but someone said that if you touch a trophy, you'll never win it. And that's probably not true. Uh, but I'll go with it because it just, it just doesn't feel good. It, it doesn't belong to me. So I won't touch it. Yeah. It's bad karma for sure. Exactly. Yeah. It's one thing that I, I mean, I don't get to play from a very, I don't get to play for many trophies very often, but when I do, I'm definitely going to take that to, uh, to heart and I'm never going to touch a trophy ever again <laughs> until I win yeah. it. That's great advice. At Carson, they had a Victor USM trophy just standing in in the pro shop for a while, and people would go up and touch it and hold it. And <laughs> you can't touch it. That's that's his. That's no one else's. Even though I could never win a USM trophy, I mean, I I won't touch it because it's not mine, and no one else should either. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, all right, we're gonna do some quick fire ones to finish up. Uh, what is your favorite club in the bag? Pitching wedge. Yeah. Do you have a specific pitching wedge that you love or just the pitching wedge? No, just the pitching wedge. It seems to always work out. Uh, next question is, um, what is your lowest round? 63. Or 62 in qualifying and then 63 in tournament. At Stillwater Country Club or at Carson? The 62 was at Stillwater and uh, the 63 was uh, at the LPGA uh, in Northern Ireland. Nice. Uh, favorite golf course? Olympic Club, San Francisco. But I've actually added one because we went to Lock Almond, um, me and my management team, and that was very, very nice. Uh, how many hole in ones do you have? Two. And any of them in the States? Yeah, both. Uh, one at Carson. And then, so I waited. 21 years for my first hole in one and I got it at Carson and then a month later I got it at the Stanford uh, home golf course which uh, which hole at the Carson seven hit it like 10 feet past the pin and spun it fishing wedge <laughs> that green is horrible <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I hate that green so much. <laughs> I've, hidden, so, I've hidden a couple of shots in there and I'm like, that's awesome. And it's just pitched on the wrong side of that left slope and just disappeared over the back of the green. I'm mm-hmm. like, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, well. Uh, that's what Carson does. Yes, definitely. Uh, let's see. Obviously, your golf club, I was going to say golf equipment of choice, but you're a huge ping ambassador. So we'll skip that question. What is your favorite thing about golf? I think the social aspect 
that you can play with absolutely anyone, compete against absolutely anyone, and it will still be a fair fight. And, you know, you can be out there all day, whereas with a lot of other sports, they're more maybe physically demanding. So you can only practice for a couple of hours a day, and then, then you'll be drained. Whereas with golf, you can play all day, every day, for up, up to a limit, of course. Uh, but, yeah, you and just hang out with your friends all the time. Very nice. Uh, favorite on-course golf snack? Ooh. I like the kind of bars. Mm-hmm. They're Oklahoma. No, are they no. Are they Oklahoma based? No, they're not. Kai's bars are Oklahoma based. Close. Same uh, concept. Uh, mm-hmm. All right. There's one golf course in the world that you wish everybody would get to see it. It could be in Sweden. It could be anywhere. Is there one that stands out? You think oh, I wish everyone in the golf, everyone in the golfing world, would be able to play this golf course, other than Augusta, because obviously that seems to be the top. I was going to say Augusta. Yeah. Uh, then then I say Lock Lomond because that's very difficult to uh, get to play. Uh, but it's super pretty. You get treated like a princess. Uh, they have a very nice, yeah, huge lake right by it. And you get the Scottish, like, big hills. And it's super nice. Awesome. Uh, last question. What would you have done if you didn't play golf? I think top choice would be be a soccer player or mm-hmm. something, uh, professional uh, but then I studied psychology and I like talking with people about their problems. Yeah. So maybe yeah. a therapist. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's been awesome. Uh, for everyone listening, I'll post your Instagram in the link below Maya Stark one and, uh, good luck for the rest of the season. Have a great time in the States and safe travels back home. Thank you so much. All right. See you later. Hope you guys enjoyed that great episode. Thank you so much for listening. As always, huge shout out to our sponsors, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, sharing Oklahoma story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com and follow them on Instagram for daily updates at OklahomaHOF. Our other sponsor, the Chickasaw Nation, amazing sponsor they do amazing things for the state and they're always sponsoring something in oklahoma they're a huge supporter of oklahoma and without their support we wouldn't be able to do what we do and finally our third sponsor for today the oklahoma 988 mental health lifeline 988 is the direct three-digit lifeline that connects you with the trained behavioral health professionals that can get all oklahomans the help that they need learn more by visiting 988oklahoma.com It's 988oklahoma.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.